Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. In a world in which we are more socially and politically divided than ever, in which change is happening at an exponential pace, in which technology may lead us to a worse or better place, how we invest, how we spend money, and where that money goes takes on more urgency than ever before. Both spending and investing are now more than just parts of our economic dialogue. They're part of our social fabric. As such, how they come together and what they accomplish could have profound and positive consequences. We're going to talk about this today with my guest, Morgan Simon. She's a recognized leader in impact investing who builds bridges between finance and social justice. Over the past 17 years, she's influenced over $150 billion in capital and currently co-leads the Candide Group. She served as the founding CEO of Tonic, a global network of impact investors, and as the founding executive director of the Responsible Endowment Coalition. She's worked with the United Nations in Honduras, in corporate relief with Forest Ethics, and in domestic microfinance with the Women's Initiative for Self-Employment. It is my pleasure to welcome Morgan Simon here to talk about her new book, Real Impact, The New Economics of Social Change. Morgan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Talk a little bit about how you would define what, what impact investing means to you. How do you define it? Sure. Impact investment most broadly is defined as, as the opportunity to align your money with your values, right? To really feel good about where your money is spending the night, whether it's at a bank or other financial institution, and to really get to live with that type of harmony that I think we all want in our daily lives as we think about the way that every dollar that we spend is a vote, same as it is for investments, right? Of making sure that our investment portfolio matches the way that we try to take care of people and the natural environment and our day-to-day behavior. And what's really fantastic is we've seen such a maturation of the impact investment industry over the past decade is that there's so many opportunities for people to be able to actualize their values and their investments while also achieving the returns that they need. Talk a little bit about the fundamental difference in how we think about perhaps impact spending, spending our money in ways that that align with our values versus impact investing, which is putting your money in places that align with your values, but also looking at the profit side of the equation. So I think from two perspectives, it's one for ourselves as individuals, really wanting to feel that congruence in everything we do, that if you are um, buying organic milk or Napa wine, right, or cage-free eggs at the store, um, and really taking that extra moment of thought of, you know, is this a product that support my values? To do that when your money is sitting in a bank that is supporting oil and gas and mining and and all these things that are really against those values that you express and you're purchasing, that just starts to get uncomfortable, right? But I think a lot of people want to have that alignment. And then the other is the opportunity to really participate in building a much more positive future that imagine if even beyond just buying that cage-free egg, that you got to help support the entrepreneur, right, that, that started the company in the first place. So I think there's this element of personal values alignment, but then also building the future that we want to see, and that that's the opportunity that we have an investment so explicitly and and beautifully. The problem and and the pushback you sometimes hear to this is the idea that looking at it from the bottom line perspective, looking at it from the point of view of, of kind of a capitalistic lens, 
is antithetical to the very idea of what some of those values are for some people. How does that reconcile? Well, I would start in thinking from a, a, I love a frame that Paul Hawken uses, which is that commerce is a very ancient art. That when the revolution comes, I don't want to make my own shoes, right? That <laughs> the exchange of goods and services is an age-old practice. Um, and it's something that we can do efficiently through markets, right? And that is very different uh, and, and outside of a frame of, of capitalism or socialism or otherwise. But it's just, do I want to participate in processes of exchange that support the environment and that support human welfare? And I can most efficiently do that through investing and through entrepreneurship. So that's really how I would think about it. One of the ways in which that often gets distorted is this thinking today as it relates to investing of looking at the short term versus the long term. How does that relate to the impact investing idea? So part of that as well, you know, when we think about markets and and the quarterly return concept, right, of, of managing towards a very short term outcome and knowing that for most people, you know, I'm not just thinking about um, what my investment returns are for the next quarter, I'm thinking about what's the legacy that I'm leaving for my grandchildren, right? And if I'm investing in an oil company that only has 10 years of reserves, well, is that a really financially prudent decision, right? Or do I want to be thinking about what are the industries that are going to continue to serve um, generations from now and how do I support that future in a much more positive way? So I think part of what's also interesting in impact investment is more of this emphasis on kind of long-term thinking, what's the society that we're trying to create, and an understanding that that is going to ideally create more economic value for everyone in the process. Talk about the creation aspect, particularly as it relates to creating business. Somebody once made the comment that the only way to really predict the future is to create the future. And in many ways, these businesses that align with values are often on the cutting edge of of what's going on in various business sectors. Talk about that. Sure. So I think one of the very broad consumer trends you're seeing, right, is certainly people starting to care a lot more about this sort of alignment, which is encouraging a whole class of social entrepreneurs um, to really start thinking from day one of a business of how do I integrate social and environmental practices into what I'm doing as opposed to the old paradigm of CSR, uh, what people sometimes call corporate social responsibility, which is, you know, let me just, you know, take 1% off the top of whatever earth-damaging practice I'm doing, right, and donate it um, and think that that's going to kind of make the whole thing um, responsible at the end of the day, right? So I think you're seeing a lot of innovation and business models that say, let's get it right from the start, you know, let's really think long-term, and that that starts to create products and brands that people can really believe in and want to get behind. What impact does all of this have in terms of looking at a bottom-line approach to these things. What impact does it have on charitable giving, which in some ways becomes eclipsed by this? So I think on a macro scale, we do have to be very careful to not think that because we're doing impact investment that we lack the need for charitable contributions. And it's more saying 
that as people who care about social change, let's use the right tool in the right moment. I would argue that charity is incredibly necessary for disaster relief, right, as we're seeing in a lot of parts of the world. Um, it's critical for advocacy, um, and that's organizing in, in quite a number of different contexts, whether it's culture or around politics as well, um, and political giving as well being a really critical part of that equation. So the idea isn't saying do impact investment, then you don't have to do charitable giving. It's saying if you're already doing charitable giving, might as well also look at the investment side of your financial life, right, and see what opportunities are there. Um, and it's great that there are now just a plethora um, of advisors and services out there for people who are looking to, to jump in and get their feet wet. Talk a little bit about the, the sort of fundamental concept that lies at the heart of this that we've certainly heard for a long time, the idea of doing good by doing well, and, and how that relates. Sure. So I think... Um, Two perspectives on that. The first is you could certainly say just from a business perspective that the world is really learning that adopting positive practices help with outcomes. So to, to give an example, um, Harvard did a review over an 18-year period where they grouped high sustainability and low sustainability companies, and they found that the high sustainability practice companies had doubled the market cap over that period and 4% productivity gains Per year, and there's there's practically nothing outside the computer, right, that has had that um, quality of, of gains over time. So even if you didn't care at all um, about the environment or about worker rights or, or other sustainability practices. Um, you could still make a very strong argument that this is a good thing to do. Um, but then I think there's also really goes back to that piece around personal alignment. If I want to be able to look at my grandchildren and say, I feel so fantastic that I'm passing down this legacy to you, which part of with is about my financial wealth, but it's also about how I treated people on the planet in that process of accumulating this wealth or ways that I've created opportunities for others to be able to have access to wealth as well. How is this playing out internationally? Um, one is that you're seeing a lot of pickup and interest uh, globally from India to Europe of both governments and individuals who are looking to get into impact investment um, and then also international development institutions. So that's a lot of where uh, the billions of dollars moving into the industry have come from. Um, and then certainly in terms of looking at ways of solving really massive problems, so things like uh, access to health or affordable housing, where there's been the opportunity to complement government solutions um, with private solutions as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that balance is something that we need to be really thoughtful over time. When we look at the way this is playing out, both domestically and internationally, where do we see the greatest success? Are there specific companies? Or are there specific sectors? Where are we seeing really the best practices playing out? Sure. So I think you can talk about best practices from different angles because every investor has different objectives, right, in terms of what type of financial return, um, what type of social change they're looking to make. And there's been numerous examples so um, of, of reports and coming out of, of Deutsche Bank, of uh, Felicitas Foundation, right, of people who have um, provided insight into their portfolios and have shown that they were able to use impact investment approaches to beat the traditional benchmarks, right? So when we talk about no trade-off, right, that you really can make that happen. Um, On the other hand, you can also look at opportunities. So, for example, 
um, looking at how do we increase the wealth of low-income Americans, um, there is a quite large movement around worker cooperatives um, and financing of cooperatives um, that has been helping to make more workers into owners, um, and this creates investment opportunities as well. Um, sometimes in those contexts, there's, there's debt funds that are doing this work where um, you're getting a, a reasonable financial return. may not always be return maximizing, um, but if you think about the basket of I want both financial return and I want to feel great about social values, um, really create opportunity to, to get um, quality products and, and to do some, some serious good in communities. Aside from the profit side of the ledger, how is that balanced with determining other metrics for success? So one of the um, guiding places that I have looked um, has been the work of Transform Finance, which is a nonprofit organization that I, that I was a part of the co-founding team um, and there are three main principles um, that we follow as an organization that I do in my investment practice um, and that are very heavily highlighted in the book in terms of having very specific examples of these principles. And it's that we try to think with every investment, how do we add more value than we extract, right? Making sure that beyond just making communities a little better off, that our deals are fundamentally fair. Um, we think about how to engage communities in design, governance, and ownership of projects so they're not just consumers or producers, but get to be the protagonists. And then finally, we think a lot about how do we balance risk and return across all stakeholders since all are contributing and, and need to have that opportunity to benefit. So those are just some very uh, broad criteria for success, but that we're able to numerically verify in the context of investment deals that we may be exploring. One of the areas where a lot of this activity is taking place are in the realm of kind of public-private partnerships. Talk a little bit about that and the role of the public sector. Sure. So I think one of the things that's very important in impact investment generally, and then I'll get more into the specifics of that question, is that just because something is called impact doesn't uh, mean that we are, uh, don't need to be conscious consumers, right, to really think about the, the same way that you have to learn the difference between the cage-free and the pasture-raised or the organic and, you know, what these different labels mean, right? So I think there's still a lot of really important work to be done to know if something is impact is it actually having that desired impact? Um, and how do we make sure that we're listening to the voices that are impacted by these projects uh, to make sure the projects are truly serving them? So that goes back to when we think about public-private partnership and the role of impact investment, there's a number of impact investments that have the potential to really uh, privatize certain sectors, right, globally. So whether we're looking at education or healthcare, um, and how do we make sure that we're really supporting and upholding public access to areas that are really basic human rights um, and certainly can use uh, private partnership as a way of having efficient delivery of such services, but that doesn't negate the fundamental human right of access to such services. So I think these are some of the nuances um, that in the context of impact investment, it's great knowing that there's lots of financial professionals who are excited about getting into the field, um, and it's just making sure that there's sufficient impact education alongside that for us to continue to be critical and thoughtful about what impact is really going to mean. What ways are consumers and investors best educated about all of this? Sure. So, 
It's a good question. I think some of it is starting actually with your current uh, financial connections, right? So if you have a financial advisor um, seeing what they may know, um, if they've had exposure to impact investments in the past or other advisors that may be out there. And I say this all, it's just general education as opposed to financial advice. Um, but just to know that there's um, a number of networks of financial advisors available who can help people really figure out how do I get my values connected. Um, and then also taking a look at the community banking movement, right, which is, is quite strong in the Bay Area um, with institutions like New Resource Bank, a number of, of uh, community credit unions um, that are extremely transparent about where your money is spending in the night, right? So one of the things that's great um, with uh, New Resource Bank, for instance, is that if you walk through the ferry building, there's a number of businesses there that are financed by New Resource Bank. Right? Um, so I think there's a piece that sometimes finance can seem very cloudy and intimidating, um, and that's part of what a, can turn us away from it. Um, and the idea of institutions that are much more transparent kind of create a much more inviting and exciting way to get to be engaged with your money. Talk about the transparency aspect, because that is it's sort of something that underlies all of this. Definitely. So I would say in general, right, even if you think about uh, if, if you have a teenager, right, of um, if they go out at 6 p.m. and don't come back till midnight and you don't know where they went, right, uh, you may be inclined to assume any number of things and, and there's an element of trust, right, uh, but we're all human and, and I think similarly we know that about financial institutions that if we're not really keeping an eye on where they're putting our money, uh, you can generally assume it's going to be in some places you're not going to like. Um, and that's essentially, so for example, um, hedge funds, right, which are kind of the, the classic financial instrument around non-transparency, you had a number of colleges and universities um, that discovered that they were invested in private prisons, right, at a time where you have more young black men in prison than in college, right? This seemed like a pretty irresponsible move. Um, and once schools found this out, wound up being compelled to act to say, we really need to make sure that our investments are aligned with our values. And that moreover, it's a liability, right, to, to, um, to not know what your money is doing in the world, right? So transparency is a big piece of, you know, we can't solve the problem if we don't even know where our money is. And that means that as consumers, we can't just turn a blind eye, um, but we really have the opportunity to, to dive in and be thoughtful about it. Are you seeing a sort of pushback to some of this, or at the very least, if not a pushback, kind of the antithesis of it, that because we are so divided politically and socially, that there are efforts on, on the other side, if you will, engaged in impacting investing in different ways, in opposite ways. Sure. So, I, um, yes, I, I chuckle because, you know, impact in general, right, uh, it means to impinge upon, especially <laughs> forcefully, according to Merriam-Webster. And that goes back to every investment has an impact, right? You just need to really take steps to make sure it's positive impact. Um, there's also, you know, the adage in the investment world is no one gets fired for buying General Electric, that if you do the exact same thing that's always been done, no one can really fault you for it. Um, so one of the things that's interesting, you know, when we talk about can impact investment make financial returns, when you had the financial crisis and investors losing 30 to 50% of their wealth in the markets, 
um, the, the saying at the time was like, well, that's just what markets do, right? Um, as opposed to, huh, there might be something systemically wrong um, if this is how it's impacting our society and our families and is really divorced from the value that's being created in the world. So I think that's the other of, of the kind of call back to earth um, of realism around markets and expectations um, and really trying to be thoughtful um, about how our money is, is supporting long-term solutions. So I would say that as much as there may be sections in the market where there's pushback, there's enough sections of the market that are creating really supportive product for investors who are excited about getting engaged um, to have the opportunity to do so and, and just feel really great about where their money is. Right. Because the corollary of that really is the consumer side. I mean, what makes the investment side work is the degree to which people are also, consumers are also supporting these businesses and, and voting with their wallets. Absolutely. So one of the, you know, recent uh, happenings in the market was the mass exodus, uh, 300,000 Uber um, passengers, the customers who deleted the app and moved to Lyft um, in response to uh, both Uber's participation on, on Trump's economic council uh, before it was disbanded, um, and then also policies around women and harassment within the company. So it's interesting. It goes back to that doing well by doing good, um, that in the new world, right, that uh, companies that really pay attention to the welfare of their workers, of their customers, of the planet, are the ones that are going to win in the market. And I just feel fantastic about that trend. Is there a danger that too many companies try and do this or do a little bit of it and, of course, brag a lot more about it so that it becomes watered down or it becomes more difficult for the investor and consumer to really see what's going on? Well, I think that's where consumer accountability comes into any type of vote that we make, right? Whether it's in the context of politics and holding politicians accountable to campaign pro uh, promises, whether it's making sure that what's on the label in a product is actually within the product. And then similarly, that goes back to whatever is supposed to be in an investment product really being there, right? So that's where the opportunity for consumers to be asking those questions of their banks, of their financial advisors, um, of are these investments that really match our values? And then as a field and as practitioners, it's something that we have to ask ourselves every day, right? And, and particularly making sure that we have the type of impact education to make good decisions. And in my book, that means being really accountable to affected communities um, and making sure that we're really in relationship with people to know what the impact of our work is. Morgan Simon, her book is Real Impact, The New Economics of Social Change. Morgan, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Yes, thank you.